Dear Christian friends, it's pretty much every parent's favorite experience. It's that decision that mom or dad get to make on whether or not there's going to be dessert. Now, maybe mom or dad hasn't decided on this particular day. Maybe they're waiting to, to see how the kids handle dinner. They eat all their, their vegetables. Maybe it's uh, some other criteria that must be met over the course of the day. But parents are familiar then with how long the incessant pestering goes on and on. Are we going to have dessert? Hey, did you think any more about dessert? How about dessert tonight? Any chance we're going to have dessert after dinner? And then finally it is, is declared, mom or dad makes the decision and declares, yes, tonight we will feast on dessert following the meal. And as you can imagine, all of the, the cheers and the gratitude and the, the joyous cries, shout outs, thank you, thank you, mom and dad. Only, only that doesn't happen. No, in, instead, the very next thing is, no, no, I get a bigger piece. No, that's the piece I wanted. There's not enough for everybody. These aren't evenly cut. I like this more than you do. And the arguing and the fighting goes on and on. You've experienced it, undoubtedly, as a, as a parent. And, and probably found yourself wondering, when are they going to outgrow this? When do we get past this stage? But the truth is that we don't ever get past that stage, do we? As adults, we still are complaining about the same thing, a lack of of equality, a lack of being fair, it's not fair, sticks with us for the rest of our lives. And we find ourselves in, in different situations really judging things on the basis of whether or not it's fair. If somebody else gets more than I do or less, as long as everybody gets what they deserve. It's not fair that somebody else who zipped past me doesn't get pulled over and get a ticket like I did. It's not fair when I've been sitting at the restaurant longer, the, the server took my order, and yet they got their food even though they placed their order after me. It's not fair that I always get picked for jury duty, and you've never had to go and serve in that way. Those who, who make more money than us, it, it seems fair that they should have to pay more taxes, right? Some people reason, and so we see ourselves this way or that way. This isn't fair. That's not fair. It's not fair doesn't really turn into something that we outgrow, is it? And it's not fair is really the attitude that the first group of individuals hired in the parable that Jesus told. And we totally understand their logic, don't we? It makes sense that person A, who is hired first and works the longest, should get paid more than person B, who comes in at the last hour of the day, the tail end of the workday, who then gets paid the same. That's not fair. What's fair is that they get paid for the amount of work that they do. That would be fair. And, and undoubtedly, Jesus would have made that point in his parable if his point were to teach a lesson on economics or how to run a business. But as we see in, in this parable today and the parables we'll be looking at throughout the month of October, these parables, Jesus' point is not to teach us some earthly takeaway some temporal takeaway that, that is only going to serve us here and now, but, but a greater purpose behind them, a spiritual truth that is either going to lead us to understand something about ourselves better or about God better, give us clarity in our understanding of either. And the parable today does each of those. Jesus introduces this parable as he does in, in many of the parables, saying something 
is like. In this case, the kingdom of heaven is like. When he uses that phrase, is like, that's kind of the, the alert, the sign that this is not some actual event that Jesus is about to tell. It's not some historic event that actually took place, but it is a parable. It's this is like something else. So here he's talking about the kingdom of heaven. What exactly is the kingdom of heaven? In contrast to how we are accustomed to a sense of belonging here in, on earth, that is, we belong to the family that we are born into. We have that last name. Uh, we identify the, the city in which we live. We're citizens of a certain state. Our sense of belonging in the kingdom of heaven comes about an entirely different way. Or as Paul reminds us or, or frames it, that we are citizens of heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. And Jesus' point in his parable that he's working toward is to make us, to help us understand that our place in the kingdom of heaven, that God's operation when it comes to that kingdom is entirely different than any sense of belonging here on earth because it is by grace. And we love, we love that word grace, don't we? we? We know that that's what we're all about that is our, our calling card. Grace is, is what the Christian church is all about. We just sang a, a hymn, a song about it, Amazing Grace. And we know full well that that is how we know that forgiveness is extended to us by grace. It's how we know that salvation is ours for certain by grace. In fact, it's even the gift of faith itself that allows us to believe both of those, that is, by grace. And so we love this thing that is called grace. But it's the very thing that attracts us to grace, that quality that it is undeserved, that also can have that effect of turning us off when we see others receive that grace that we feel don't deserve it. And of course, that irony cannot be lost on us. If by definition, grace is something that isn't deserved, then that means that there's really no place for us to, to think who is deserving or is not deserving of it because grace is equally given to anybody who is undeserving. I'm undeserving, you're undeserving, everyone is undeserving. No one deserves grace. But God extends or desires to extend his grace to all people. He made that clear through the prophet Isaiah. Back in chapter 45, verse 15 of Isaiah, it says, Turn to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. God's desire is that his grace would extend to everybody, the ends of the earth. Yes, that's you. Who else is that grace intended for? Well, it's, it's for that estranged family member or friend. God wants to extend that grace all nations, even includes that, that jerk who treated you like garbage in high school. All the ends of the earth also includes that, that co-worker who speaks offensive phrases and words and comments day in and day out. Yeah, the ends of the earth, it includes alcoholics, it includes addicts, it includes rapists, racists, sex traffickers, pedophiles, and the list goes on and on. And that's, that's how we're really challenged in this parable, aren't we? Because yes, on the one hand, we, we want what God wants. We want all people to be saved. And we know that that means that that grace must be extended to everybody. 
But that is where we struggle, isn't it? That is why we can, if we're not careful, find ourselves slipping into that same mindset that the first hired hands had. That, that those who were hired later, that, that others weren't as deserving of that grace as they were. So what is it exactly that, that leads us to think that way? Why is it that we should ever slip into that same mindset of those first hired workers? Well, it's, it's really what is hiding and, and lurking in all of our hearts, isn't it? It's that sense of that, that others really deserve not quite what we have. It's a resentment that we might say creeps into our hearts, but the reality is this parable shows it's not creeping in our hearts, it's already existed in our hearts. All this parable does is expose that resentment we have when God chooses to extend his grace to others. So why is it? Why that disconnect to want what God wants, to want all to be saved, but then to find ourselves struggling when we slip into that mindset that says others don't deserve it the way that we do? Maybe Jesus gives us a little bit of an understanding really at the closing of the parable today. In verse 16, this is what Jesus says, So the last will be first, and the first will be last. And if you look at the chapter before, really, Jesus kind of concludes that chapter the same way, but many who are first will be last and many who are last will be first. Why would Jesus need to not only state this once, but repeat it in his teaching? Well, obviously it's something that is intended to grab our attention. It points out a a struggle that we have, that desire to, to look inward, to focus on self first and foremost. And the thing that happens when we, we look at ourselves first before everyone else is that that tends to be then the metric by which we judge others. When I think so highly of myself, it's my record, it's my behavior, it's, it's my faithfulness, if you want to call it that, my dedication, commitment, my obedience. That becomes the metric, the standard by which I judge others, just as those in the parable did when they were hired first. And that was reflected when they showed how they felt about what they were getting paid. Jesus tells us in the parable, in, in verse, beginning with verse 11, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. So notice their metric was they were judging those hired last on the basis of how little they worked. Their, their time card had only punched an hour. They, on the other hand, had worked all day long, borne the burden of the work in the heat of the day. So their metric, their standard, was such that they gauged their own work and compared somebody else's on that basis. And not only does that lead them to resent those who are hired last, who worked less, yet received the same pay. The other double whammy is that it leads to a resentment of the landowner himself. And he called them out on it later when he, he said, are you envious? And really the word there is, are you wicked? Do you have this attitude or this mindset toward me for my generosity? So it's not just that when that metric of self is used and, and their gauge of how hard they worked and how dedicated and how committed they were and then they didn't see that in others, it leads them to resent others and the landowner. 
Now contrast that with those who were hired later on in the day. See, the, the first group hired forgot that they agreed to the payment that they received. But how different it was with everybody hired after that in the parable. There were no contractual obligations on the part of anyone else hired. In fact, they were simply hired and the landowner said, I'll pay you what I think is right. And you didn't see them arguing. You didn't see them complaining or or trying to barter or bargain with the landowner to say, well, I'll only work for this much. They were happy to be hired. They were sitting there. They even explained when he asked, why aren't you working? Well, no one's hired us. So they were elated simply to have an opportunity to serve And then when the time came to pay, they took whatever the landowner was willing to give them. So their joy was not attached to the payment. They they were good with knowing that he would take care of that. They just found joy in serving in the landowner's vineyard. See the difference of those two. When we are, are so inwardly focused and that becomes our metric by which we judge others, well, then we're going to resent them and we're going to resent God. But God's kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, does not and cannot operate that way. The only way that it's going to work out is by grace. Grace that, mind you, is what hired everyone in the parable in the first place, even though nobody had applied for a job or asked for it. Grace which not only hired them, but grace which paid all of the workers, even though we know that Again, we deserve nothing from the landowner, from the Lord. Grace paid those who were hired first. So if you are hired first, then then work hard, work diligently in the vineyard as long as it is day and know and be confident that grace means that through Jesus you can be confident of your, your payments. Hired last, that's okay too. Though much of your life may have been a missed opportunity to enjoy the privilege of serving God in his kingdom, it's never too late to serve. And you do so with the same confidence that grace means that through Jesus, you too will receive that ultimate payment, the reward of grace that is waiting for all who Jesus longs to call home. So what, what is the, the takeaway in this, this parable? Maybe it's twofold. One, Let's never take for granted this gift of grace that is for for all people. To appreciate, to celebrate, to praise God that that is how he chooses to deal with us when it comes to the kingdom of heaven. Not based on our status or our achievements or how much of the hard work we have put in for him. But secondly, let's also heed the warning that is here for those hired first. To not despise that grace or resent it when God chooses to extend it to others, which then ultimately leads us to resent both them and the God of all grace, the one who gives us that grace. So how do we carry these two things out? How do we continue to celebrate and not take for granted this grace? And how do we guard ourselves from despising others when when God extends that grace to them? We remember that it's God's grace. It's not ours. Yes, it's God who extends his grace to us, but he doesn't entrust grace to us and ask us to determine who gets it and who doesn't, who's in and who's out. No, he simply extends and applies his grace to us, but it's his grace to dole out as he pleases. And that is the only way that we can ensure 
that it's going to be doled out and, and given to all as God sees fit. And when we have that kind of confidence that it's God's grace, and just as those hired later in the day recognized that the landowner was going to pay them what he thought was right, not what you think is right, not what I think is right, but what God thinks is right. And thank goodness, because that's the standard that I want to be judged by when I know that God judges us on the basis of his grace. When we really get down to it and, and look at this parable, it, it is interesting that, that Jesus says, the landowner says, I'm not being unfair to you. And it's true in, in how he treated all of those that worked for him. But if we really want to get down to how radical grace is, in a sense, God is being unfair with us, isn't he? Because he's not giving us what we actually deserve. He's not giving us hell. He's not, he's not giving us suffering and, and separation from him for eternity. Those are the things that we deserve for our resentment and bitterness toward others that we think don't deserve his grace and, and even toward God himself for doling out that grace to others we think aren't, aren't worthy of it. God in his grace even covers those sins. That's how he chooses to deal with us and frankly, that's not fair. It's not what we deserve. But that's what makes it grace. And so because we live in that grace and under that grace and we walk in that grace each and every day of our lives, that grace assures us of our place before God. And we can celebrate and live in the joy of that grace and we can work hard and diligently and faithfully in his kingdom recognizing the privilege that it is to serve him in his kingdom knowing with full confidence the payment that waits for us a home in heaven, out of citizenship, as Paul reminded us, that, that is in heaven, that is home with Jesus forever. But until he calls us there by grace, let us realize we have been called to work in the vineyard and rejoice that he, he doesn't give us what we deserve, that it's not fair when it comes to God. And thank goodness it's not, because that means that he's going to extend to us grace. And not just any grace, but remember that it's God's grace. Amen.